Thank you for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and encourages you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and resources, visit hopeboon.com. Different, a little different look this morning, Sean. We're gonna need a bigger table. We're gonna need something. We're gonna need the power of the Holy Ghost. I can tell you that for sure. Hallelujah. We can, got... y- can y'all hear me on this? Good. Yes. Amen. Um, I'm excited. Yeah. You yeah. want to yeah. talk for a second? Sure. This is a part four of how to follow plan, God's plan for your life. This is yes. our Q and A session. Um, we've got 12 questions that have been submitted. I told Pastor Josh, if we take five minutes on 12 questions, that's an hour. So buckle right. in. We may skip around. Don't be worried. Yeah. But this has gone extremely well, in my opinion. Yes. Um, I, I was able to share a little bit of this series at work the other day. And it's one of the best responses I've ever gotten from a message at work. So, which tells me again, how much people want to hear this, yeah. how much people need to hear this, and how much I think this is just this time for our church. That's right. So. It's, we've said this before. It's probably, if, if I had to pick a topic that people seem to want and need prayer on over and above every other topic, it's, Pastor, how do I follow God's plan for my life? How, how do I hear the voice of God clearly? How do I know what I'm supposed to do? Um, and so it's, it's deeply personal. It's deeply um, important in every, in every person's life. So we just want to shed light on some things this morning. Um, before we get into questions, we'll pray as we, as I often do before we, we preach. And and today we're not going to preach. We're going to do we're going to do our best to just calmly and routinely answer questions from the Word. But um, two things: if you have a question as we're going along, which inevitably will happen, by the way, um, inevitably we're going to say something that sparks a thought in your mind, and you go, oh, oh, I wish I, I wish they would address this. Uh, this is an open forum today, so um, we want to hear from you. So please do ask your questions, um, and feel, feel that you can be bold, and this is a safe place for you to ask those kinds of questions. Um, one, wow, you just made it longer. Yeah, well, we're going to probably skip through some of the, uh, some of the questions that we got overlap. So there's going to be some overlapping. These are, uh, these are fairly general questions, I would yeah. say. Yeah. Uh, our pastoral heart, I immediately was like, who asked this? And I need more information. Yeah, so we're going to keep things as, as, as general as that's we right. can. Right. I mean, I'm sure we'll get deeper on some than others. That's true, for sure. Um, before we jump into those, I want to say one quick word um, that's been kind of on my heart as, as this week as I've looked over these questions as they've come in. Thank you, by the way, for those who submitted questions. Um, I want to introduce you, if you haven't already, if you're not already familiar with the following theological word, this would be probably the nerdiest thing that we say all morning, Um, but there's this word that I think we need to be aware of, and it's the word epistemology, and I'm pretty sure most of us don't use that word in a daily basis, Um, but but it's an important word. Tell us, Pastor John. Yeah. What does this mean? so we throw a lot of words around in church, and this is a word that some people you may have heard refer to it before, but if you don't know what it is, it's, it's the word which represents and means how you and I come to form conclusions and beliefs in our belief system. Every single person in this room, every person watching us online this morning has an epistemology. 
you have a method, a way by which you gather information to determine whether or not it's true. And this is one of the most important elements of our belief system is our epistemology. Most people don't know that it even exists. Most people don't think about where their information comes from and how they're building their belief system about God. But it is one of the most important elements in your life. One of the reasons is that if you don't have a right belief about God, you can never live an accurate life according to his plan. If you don't believe right, how can you live right? Right? Make sense? And, and how can you believe right if you don't know what your epistemology is? If, if somebody asks you about the will of God and your first thought is, let me go to Instagram to check. Right? How, how many of us have been tempted to have our belief system formed by the world's opinions? How many of us, when we have a question, our answer, our, our, the answer to the question is not for us to go to the Word of God first, but to go to 10 other different sources, and let's see what a bunch of other think, people think about this. Or when, we, or when we get to a hard doctrinal topic, we try to just go find a preacher we agree with to explain it to us. Dr. John C. Maxwell says this, and I love this. He says, most people like to have their thinking done for them. And I thought, oh, that hits home. This morning, why am I bringing up the word epistemology? Because Sean and I are going to do the best that we can do with our time and years of experience in the word to answer every question as accurately according to this word as possible. Because at the end of the day, the Bible says all this stuff is going to pass away, but the word of the Lord is going to remain forever. Our epistemology, the way we build what we believe, has got to be tied to this word. Amen? So as we answer your questions today, we're going to do it according to the word to the best of our ability. Make so, sense? No pressure. So no pressure. No pressure. Amen? Because I worked hard on this. <laughs> Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for another opportunity to come before your word and to hear things that, Lord, maybe our hearts have been pondering that we've needed to understand. So God, we ask you today for eyes to see and ears to hear you. We ask you that our heart would be attuned to what you want to say to us. Speak to us out of your word. Lord, give Sean and I wisdom and clarity to answer each question according to what your word says and according to what your plan is for the folks that are listening today. We give you praise. We give you honor and glory for these things in Jesus' mighty name. Let the church say amen. 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 I just want to say I'm following your lead this morning. I've got stuff from every question, but whatever you want we'll to do. We'll take turns. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll do this together. Um, there is, as Sean said, 12 questions. Some of these questions have multiple questions folded into the question. And so there's, there's a few more, but we'll navigate this pretty well. The first one I want to bring up is, um, is a question that I would say is relative to the church of Jesus Christ as a whole and relative to our church as a whole, um, the, the remainder of the questions are more personal in their nature. But this first question is relative to the church in general. Uh, so I want to read this and then we'll answer it. Um, I know Sean's got an answer to this question and I have an answer to this question too because we talked about this earlier in the week. The question is, in the book of Acts, the beginning of the church, we see many miracles, healing, large numbers being added to the church, demons cast out of people and so on. Looks like this is God's plan for the church. Why, do, why are we not seeing this more today? Looks to me like there's a lack of power in the church and in lives of individuals. Why so? 
If walking in power is God's plan for me and our church, what can we do to step into that? So there's like 19 questions in that. Yeah, question. we're starting off with an easy yeah, one. Yeah. So it, but this, this one's a little bit different in that it's not really personally motivated. and it's, it's kind of an overarching church as a whole question. So we want to deal with this one first and then shift a little. It took me five seconds to figure out who wrote this question. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly right. We won't call him out. No, no names. Um, um, I, my, my answer to this question, you know, is, is kind of straightforward, and it's going to dovetail really well with your answer, Sean. As you look through the book of Acts, you see a combination of things. You see the church in its earliest formation, and you see God directing the church's steps very articulately. There's a lot of great things that happen in the book of Acts, and if you're not familiar with it, I encourage you to go read the book of Acts. We actually did a series on it last summer. Go check it out. It was really powerful. The, one of the big answers that I have, uh, and I'm going to just try to keep it brief because Sean's answer, like I said, dovetails very smoothly together with this. Why are we not seeing more miracles and power and things in God's church today? I believe one of the big reasons is that we have not placed enough of a priority on unity and community and togetherness in the body of Christ. One of the things that the enemy does is, is strive for isolation in the church. We are, my wife and I were watching a movie the other night, uh, You've Got Mail, fantastic movie. It's filmed in the late 90s. Currently on Netflix. Currently on Netflix. That's why we watched it, because it was right in our face. Um, and it was filmed, I went and looked at it, uh, some of the backstory. It was filmed in 1998. We got done with the movie, and I looked at my wife, I said, society peaked in 1998 when this movie was filmed. It's such a romanticized view of, of things. But in one of the scenes, she's sitting in the cafe with the rose on the table waiting for Tom Hanks to come in. And I couldn't, I, I was so drawn to the background and the tables and the people in the background because I'm looking at all these actors pretending to have conversations and there's no smartphones. And I said to my wife, oh my God, people used to talk to each other. And, my, and, and I'm as serious as I can be. My heart began to yearn for that. And I thought, oh my gosh, we are so connected and we've never been more disconnected in our lives. I, the Lord drew me, that, drew me to that and drew me to Psalm 133 where it says, it's good and it's pleasant for brethren to dwell together in unity. And then it, and then it brings two different um, examples of what unity does. It says, number one, unity is like the anointing oil. So unity in our church actually has a way of provoking the anointing of God to move in powerful ways. Then the second thing, it says it's like the dew of Mount Hermon, which means that unity is incredibly refreshing. Why do we not see more power in the church? One of the reasons, not the only reason, one of the reasons is because we don't spend enough time together. We don't spend enough time connecting We've got, I've got my schedule, you got your schedule, you're going to do your thing, you're going to do your thing. We might bump into each other once a week at church on Sunday, and, and let's hope God does something really special when that happens. But by and large, I'm going to live my life, you're going to live your life, and you know, we'll just roll the dice and see what God does. And then we'll pray and we'll see if our prayers have any power. It's real hard for you to pray in faith for somebody you don't know very well. Wow. I rest, I'm con my, I'm convicted. I rest my case. I'm no. convicted. You're up. You're up. I just want to read something to you guys. We were talking about this question. This passage came to mind. I did not write this. I take no responsibility for this. Um, but I thought this was really good and really convicting. This is one of my spiritual mentors. 
And I need to turn the page. Can you hold the book? I got it. Cool. He wrote this in the early 90s. He's talking about when he was a pastor 50 years ago. As I compare believers then in the 50s and now, I realize there was not nearly as much sickness among spirit-filled Christians 50 years ago as there is today. I remember the great manifestations of the Holy Spirit we used to experience in our meetings. The move of God was much greater and more consistent than it is today. As I was thinking about this, the Spirit of God said to me, yes, and the consecration of my people was greater too. Let that soak in. Whether we choose to consecrate ourselves to obey God or choose not to obey God, it affects every other area of our lives as well. That's right. I'm thoroughly convinced of this truth that the consecration of Christians was much deeper than it is today. Mm. Believers' appreciation and reverence for the things of God and the move of the Spirit of God was deeper as well. As a result, God honored the depth of consecration and reverence by giving his people greater manifestations of his presence and his power. Mm. I was like, that's good. (laughs) And then he says this, and I'll end here. Many of God's blessings seem to be withheld from his body because his body has not consecrated themselves to do God's will instead of their own. Well, that's powerful. And I was like, okay, we're going to stop reading now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, isn't it interesting, Sean, we've talked about this before, that people always, people always ask, we want to do things the way the early church did it. And we've said this, well, you be careful what you ask for. They went to church every day. <laughs> and they sold everything they owned yeah, that's right. and lived by faith. And yeah. I don't know if I'm quite ready for that. There was a, I think what we're both getting at from opposite ends is there was an all-in mentality that the early church had. That, and I would say prioritizing the things of God yeah. over things in our yeah. lives, Absolutely. which I believe we'll cover a little bit more in a later question. Absolutely. Well, this kind of this kind of jumps us into... This next question, it's number three on our list, but I'm doing number two. Okay, good. How, how does my plan from God on an individual basis intersect with and fit with the plan and vision of Hope Church on the corporate level? So this is a good step down from this question that was more overarching. How does the, the plan of God for me as an individual intersect with and fit within the vision of Hope Church on a corporate level? I can say this. If, if God's called you to be a part of our church, the scripture is really clear that the Lord plants people and he places people in the body as he sees fit. And based on that, we know for certain that if God's called you to be here, there's some area of, of, of your gifting, of the expression of your gifting that our church needs. There's a calling, there's a grace upon your life, there's a talent, there's a gifting, whatever it may be. Uh, and if God's called you to be a part of Hope Church, then there's room within the vision God's called our church for you and for your gifting. Does that Amen. make sense? So yes. don't be afraid to explore that and unpack that and be a part of what God's doing in the church. Absolutely. You know, it says in Romans chapter 12, uh, we are just as our body has many parts and each part has a special function. So it is with Christ's body. Yeah. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Yeah. So we all have a function. Now, I will say this. There is a blessing when you step outside of your comfort zone and do something that maybe you don't want to do or that That's you are right. not gifted to do. Yeah. 
as much as I love our church, we don't have everything for everyone to do yet, but yeah. we are getting there and we yeah. are growing and increasing in the people that we need. Yes. Uh, many years ago, when Gracie and I were part of a church, not this church, you know, I teach the word. This is what I do. This is my gift. This is what I'm good at. Yeah. They didn't have a need for that. And, it's, and at first I was just really discouraged. I'm like, well, I'm not going to serve. If they don't have room for my gift, why should I do that? <laughs> and I, the Lord was like, I don't think that's the right attitude, Sean. <laughs> so then I started looking at, well, what do they need? And yeah. I joined the church cleaning team. Yeah. And this was an incredibly humbling experience. Yeah. And for six months, I cleaned the church with that team. Wow. And the whole time thinking, this is not my gift, but this is what is needed. Yeah. And guess what? God rewards that. Amen. And it opens the door for when I was able to use my That's gift right. at a later time in that church. So it may not always be what you want, but it may be what we need for this period of time. Yes. Amen. Amen. And God rewards faithfulness. Yes. God rewards faithfulness. My, my dad says this frequently. He says, faithfulness is the green light in the kingdom of God. Faithfulness is the green light, man. If you, if you can find your way to be faithful in something small, God will always graduate you. So uh, seek consistency, seek faithfulness. Amen. Amen. Where are we going next, Pastor Josh? Uh, question number two now. Question I just two. did a quick flip-flop. I feel like I hear what God's plan is for my life. Now, here's we're starting to get on a very personal level. I feel like I hear what God's plan is for my life. How do I bridge the gap on a practical level from feeling too busy to answer the call of God. I really like this question. Go, you want to take a swing? Oh, okay, it? sure. Go, go for it. Uh, I'll just read a scripture, Acts chapter 1, verses, verse 8. This is Jesus right before he gets back into heaven. This is his final instruction to the disciples. Mm -hmm. He says, verse 8, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Mm -hmm. The point is here, they started where they were. Yeah. We tend to think of the, the call of God, the plan of God is out there somewhere. Oh, oh, when I'm a missionary in Africa or whatever. The truth of the matter is the plan of God and the will of God start right where you are. That's right. That's and Jesus good. said that actually to the disciples. He said, actually, don't do anything until you have power to do what I'm calling you to do. Yeah. So you got to start where you are and you got to start small. That's right. God's never going to start you in a big place. Yeah. He's not going to drop you in the middle of something and be like, here you go. Go for it. Uh, what are you doing every day to serve the Lord where you are? Yeah. You are answering the call of God on your life. Amen. It's Amen. really good. I, I, uh, I, when, when I read this and read the, the, the line, I'm feeling too busy to answer the call of God, it, it kind of harkened me back to one of my favorite, one of our favorite Bible teachers that we learned a lot from as, as young men and as teenagers. Uh, his name's Keith Moore. And, and he said, he said there was a time when they started their church and it began to minister where God started asking him to, to grow in certain areas and to, to move into certain areas of ministry. And, and he was at that point where his schedule was totally full. He was booked up, he was traveling, he was doing all kinds of things. And he said he had a time of prayer where he talked to the Lord and said, God, I don't have time to do these new things you're calling me into. And the Holy Spirit responded and said, Keith, you always have time to do my will. And it caused him to back up and ask the question, if I don't have time to do God's will and God's plan in my life, what are these, all these other things that I'm doing that are filling up my time? 
if I'm burned out trying to seek God, what's actually burning me out? Because it's not God's will. God's will doesn't burn you out. It energizes you. It encourages. It builds you up. It strengthens you. Caleb, in the book of Numbers, when, they, when, when, when Joshua led the children of Israel into the promised land, I said I wasn't going to preach. But I was about to say you are preaching. I'm the pastor. So. Um, <laughs> when, they, when, when Joshua led the children of Israel into the promised land, Caleb was 80 years old. And he said, I have the strength now that I had when I was 40. Give me my mountain. And went into the promised land and took what God had laid aside for him. So here's the point. Walking in God's will is not going to burn you out. It's going to energize you. It's all the other minutia that's going to burn you out. I'll say too, we tend to separate spiritual things from natural things. Mm, God's will and plan and purpose only relates to the spiritual part of my life. That's not true. It also relates to the natural part of your life. Very often what we are busy doing is also the thing that we are passionate about and could be what we are being called to in this season. So when these things become, uh, how can I bring what God is doing? God's plan and call is not just happening here at church. It's happening in your daily natural life. Ministry or people in ministry do not have the exclusive on God's plan. That's right. It's it's in, it's it's also happening in our daily normal lives right. as well. Right. So could it be that what's causing you to be busy is actually God's plan because that's what you're passionate about, mm-hmm. and you just need to bring Him into that busyness? Because mm-hmm. I tend to think when I'm at work, you know, on my computer, I don't need God doing this. But in actuality, I can invite him into right. even that situation at work and say, well, how would you do this? Yeah. Or what do you want to, what are you showing me or what are you teaching me through this project that I'm working on? That's right. That's what, that's one of the things we talked about in this series uh, at the very beginning when we talked about Proverbs chapter three, in all your ways, acknowledge him. You can bring God and his presence into literally everything that you do. I'll say too, on a practical level, starting out, on this adventure of faith, the Lord is going to give you small, manageable goals. Mm-hmm. He's not going to call you tomorrow to China. Yeah. We have a friend. He's been here at this church, John. He's, he's literally a missionary to Africa. Yeah. Guess what? He did not start out being a missionary to Africa. There is a long series of steps that the Lord had him on until he became a missionary. And it started with him, honestly, just being faithful to show up to church. That's true. And then starting to prioritize the things of God in his life. And then the Lord opened a door for him to go to Bible school. And then he was faithful to do that. And then the Lord opened up a door for him to have a job. And then the Lord opened up a door to hear from a man who invited him to come to Africa. And then the Lord, I mean, I keep going for it. This is a long story. But wherever you are, that's where God's going to start to lead you. Amen. It's really good. Let's keep going. Um, we've got question three, three questions. Yeah, let's go to question four. What do I do if I've been going in a singular direction in my life for several years, and now I feel as if God is pulling me in a completely different direction? How do I navigate that transition with life and work and relationships? Um, this is a challenge one, challenging one because the first and most obvious answer is obedience. You never lose by obeying God, ever. Yeah. If God's calling you into something, you never lose by being obedient, right? Now, are there, is there going to, I hate to use the word collateral damage, but 
is there, is there going to be potentially some fallout in relationships? Is there going to be some big changes that need to happen with work, with relationships, with the way that your social life is constructed? Potentially. It depends on how radically God's called you to be. Like, like the example of Jonathan, you know, he's got a whole lot of new friends now that he spends half of his year in Zambia. You know, and so that, you know, he, in order for him to do that, he had to leave where he was and move to Florida and become involved with this thing. So, yeah, there are, there are definitely collateral things that will happen um, and, and relationships that need to be managed. Some need to be cut off, quite frankly. Sometimes God calls you into a new season of time and of life and you need to let go of the old relationship because it's going to it's going to inhibit your progress in the new thing that God's called you to do. Amen. And that's, that's really important. Sometimes where God is leading you, not everyone can follow. It's fact. That's just the it's truth. It's fact. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I'll say, I'll say a few things if that's okay. Please. Uh, first of all, I say the voice of God, and this is a personal experience here, the voice of God tends to be louder in my life the more dramatic what he is, is saying to me. So specifically, if you feel like the Lord is pulling you in a completely different direction than where you're going now, I would tend to think that's not going to be a real small thing, mm -hmm. that it's going to be a much larger and a much louder thing. Yeah. And there's most likely going to be people around you who are going to confirm that mm. to you. It, God tends to operate how we need him to operate, yeah. uh, which is a good thing. Um, also, I'll say this. Uh, daily steps taken toward the plan of God, he'll reveal more. That's right. In our own thinking, we tend to fill in the gaps of what God has spoken to us and what it should look mm, like. That's good. But that very often is not God, that's us. That's very good. Developing a relationship with the Lord is just as important as obeying what he has said. Because as we build trust with him, yeah. he'll start to speak to us more clearly. Yeah. So, Again, I'm like, who, who asked this question? What are they going through? You know, <laughs> my question to them is, well, how much is your, how strong is your relationship with the Lord, and how much yeah. do you trust what He is telling you to do? Amen. Yeah, never, never forget that your very, the very first thing God calls you to do is to walk with Him. Yeah. Amen. So you know, it's it's impossible for me to go. Well, what's God have next planned for me if I'm just not walking with Him to begin with? Uh, there's that's where you got to start. Yeah. You know, I tell a story about, about my dad. You know, my dad was working a, a natural, secular job in, in Seattle, and the Lord started speaking to him about being a missionary. Mm. I mean, you talk about two radically different views of what was going on. Well, my dad got so excited, he left work early that day, drove to the passport office, and applied for a passport. Mm. And he's wearing his work clothes. So he has like this sweaty passport picture. Well, it was many years later before he actually stepped onto the mission field. Yeah. But the Lord just dropped it in his heart and said, this is the direction I want you to start yeah. going. Yeah. He didn't go to the mission field the next day. There were still many steps yeah. that he had to take before he got to what the Lord had put in his heart all those right. years ago. And sometimes it's years, right? Oh, yeah. Sometimes it's many that years. That was, was many years. Yeah, exactly right. I'll read, I'll read a scripture if that's okay Please. just about this one. This is Acts 13. Um, this is where uh, Paul and Barnabas get sent into their plan and purpose of God. In verse, in verse 1 here, it says, Among the prophets and teachers at the church at Antioch were Paul and Barnabas. And one day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, so here's specific direction, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. But notice they didn't leave right away. Verse 3 says, So after more fasting and more prayer, mm -hmm. the men that were there laid hands on them and sent them on their way. Yeah. 
these men heard a specific direction the Lord wanted them to go, but they didn't immediately do it. Yeah. They all spent time together saying, is this the will of the Lord? Yes. And then once they got into agreement together, then they sent them out and yeah. prayed for them and said, go on and be it's blessed. Good. So very often when there's a large direction change, mm-hmm. you're not going to be the only one God is speaking to. And so, I would encourage you to find others who can get in agreement with you and say, yes, amen. this is what we believe the Lord is calling for you. Be blessed in your endeavors. Amen. It's a good word, man. It all, you know what it, what it makes me think of, too, is that experience in Antioch in Acts 13 came after, came many years after Paul's conversion experience when God told him, you're, you're going to be an apostle. You're going to go to all these places. And then Paul spent a number of years, we don't know the exact number, of years in the Arabian desert figuring out what his doctrine was. And then he got to Antioch. And, and even then... They took some yeah, time. This, to this wasn't his first church service. No. This wasn't the first time he'd heard from the Lord. That's right. The Lord is not going to say something dramatic to you the yes. first time he speaks to you. That's a fact. Uh, when I have polled p- Christians, the number one thing, the first thing they hear God said to them was, I love you. I love you, yeah. yeah that, that's where he starts. Yeah. He's real low, yeah. real basic. If you're hearing something crazy and that's the first time you've heard from God, that may not be the Lord. Yeah, amen. <laughs> Let's, uh, let's keep going. I'm going to tie uh, question number five here with question number 12. Okay. Because they both, uh, they, they both have Sounds great. simple uh, answers, I think. Question five is, can you discuss the relationship between the desires of our heart and God's will and plan for our lives? That's a very significant one. I think my wife is the one that submitted that question. So uh, we asked our leaders to, to input as well. Um, can you discuss the relationship between the desires of your heart and God's will and plan for our lives? Now, I'm going I'm to pair that with question 12. It says, I'm evaluating a decision. Both paths forward are good. Both are not in conflict. I have peace about both of them. Uh, the 12 things that I outlined that are, uh, you know. Part it, one. It, no, that was part two. Part two. The 12 things that I outlined. Part one, it will talk about the four-step process. Let's, let's assume all that stuff is good. You got total green light in your heart. You're not feeling conflicted, but you've still got two choices. Which one should I do? Let me start by saying that's a rare, rare scenario where there's two things that are equally perfect in how you feel about them. But it does happen, I believe. Um, what, what is more frequent is you have God's will here and you have the devil's 27 choices here that you have to weigh out the difference. And oftentimes, many of those 27 look good. Because here's the reality. The devil doesn't care which wrong choice you make. He doesn't care which wrong choice you make, just as long as you don't follow God. Okay? So... I read this question to Gracie, and she was like, I want more detail. <laughs> is, is this like someone choosing between two potential spouses? Because right. that's right. that's not the Lord. That's, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, they don't feel equally good. Not, I have peace about both. Things. Right. I do, however, think I do, however, think this. Oftentimes, you, you you can get into situations where where you're given a choice, and the choice is relative to what God has already put in your heart. Yes. This is how it links to question five. Can you discuss the relationship between the desires of, of our heart and God's will? Let me read you Psalm 37. Oh, that's weird. I was going to read Psalm 37. Verse four. Verse four. Oh my gosh. gosh. Here we go. It's almost like we serve the same message. That's right. <laughs> he says, delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your 
heart. Yes, which comes first, Pastor Josh? Delight yourself in the Lord. What's the first thing God's going to call you to do? Delight yourself in Him. Get to know Him. Get on the same page with Him. He cares more about your relationship with Him than He does about any other detail in your life. I want to say that again. God cares more about your relationship with Him as an individual human being, not your relationship with the church, not your relation, not your family's relationship to God or anything like that. God cares more about your personal relationship with him than he does about any other detail. Of Amen. Your life. Any other detail of your life. So what happens when we're given the choice of walking in what our heart's desire is? If you're in that situation where you've got to choose between, between two things, I would invite you to consider what is the desire of your heart? What has God put in your heart to do? I mean, if you got two really good job opportunities, which one of those checks the box of what's in your heart to do in serving God? Amen. You got something to add? Yeah, we often, we alluded to this earlier, we often separate our natural calling and our spiritual calling. Uh But the truth is they're, intertwined. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to be a filmmaker and God wants me to go to China. Well, what if he's calling you to be a filmmaker in In China? China. That's the combination of those two things. Now, what we don't want to do is give place to ungodly desires or to uh, fulfill our natural desires at the expense of God's plan for our life. Yeah. I remember a time in my life where I didn't have a lot of opportunity to do ministry. And to fill that void, I started pursuing natural desires. Mm. And my life got out of balance. And when I started to recognize this, I was like, Lord, I'm going to give this part of my life to you. I'm just going to stop doing it completely with snowboarding. And then, mm. and then I believe you'll give it back to me at a time when it's filtered through my delight That's in good. you. Really and good. I started to replace it with other godly things, you know, just finding ways I could be active in the church and use my gift. Yeah. And wouldn't you know it, a couple of years later, snowboarding started to come back into my life, except now yeah. I knew that I was enjoying it yeah. and that he was, I, I wasn't doing anything apart or separate from the will of God or using that yeah. as a replacement for what he was really calling me to do. That's good, Let me That's scroll good. down. I got one more thing, but of course it's under question 12. <laughs> uh, when evaluating a decision, the easy answer is take, take whichever path has more money. That's a joke. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, I will say this. Very often our natural emotions can cloud our spiritual discernment. Mm -hmm. So if you are facing two paths or a fork in the road, I encourage you to take time to get out of your head and get into your heart. That's right. Because your mind and your body will yell loudly when it is what they want. That's right. And so you need to filter that desire through the delight in the Lord. Amen. Uh, the more major the decision, it may, may take more time for you to get quiet. It may take more time to get your emotions down to where you can hear God uh, clearly That's right. and plainly. That's right. Our emotions make terrible masters but fantastic servants. It's, it's very important for us to prioritize what's coming out of our, my heart versus what's coming out of my head. And if, if we spend so much of our life paying only attention to our emotional state and never to the state of our heart and never invested in our relationship with God from a heart level, like Sean was talking about, then it becomes very difficult to hear God when the rubber meets the road when it's time to actually make a decision, if I've been so attuned to just following my emotions, 
then my emotions are going to lead me away from the presence of God more often than not. And that's when you need to find somebody that you can get around and say, hey, can you help me to discern the will of God for my life? I'll say two things and then we can move on. Um, One is, and I do this myself, we tend to, when facing a decision, we tend to evaluate natural benefits over spiritual benefits. Right, it's true. But when you're making that decision, say, how will this benefit me spiritually? Because that's very often where, where God is. The other one thing I'll say is the Lord's will is not always in a particular answer, but very often lies in the process. Mm, Sometimes the process the Lord is leading us through to make the choice is sometimes more important than the choice itself. That's really good. Because God's ultimately always trying to build relationship with you, and He prioritizes that over the actual choice that you're making. That's it. But what's interesting is as He leads you through that process, that choice will become clearer and clearer. That's right. Well, it's one of the things that we said earlier in the series. To the to the heart that's set on obedience, the will of God is always the most obvious choice. When your aim is to please Him, it becomes easy to discern where He's leading you. Just like you were saying. I believe it's Pastor Furtick uh, who says, "If I walk in the Lord's ways, He will lead me in His will." That's good. And that's something I think about a lot when I don't have clear and obvious direction. Yeah. I'm like, well, am I walking in His ways? Oh, am I fellowshipping with Him? then I don't need to worry about it. He's going to lead me in that path. That's good, man. Really good. Um, can you give some examples from your own life on what you've done when you weren't sure where God was leading you? Ask my wife. That's all I, that's <laughs> when I, it, it sounds similar or it sounds silly, but it's actually, there's so much value. If you're married in here and you're struggling to determine uh, what, what, what is God leading me in? Ask your wife, man. Fellas, God gave her the ability to discern things you can't discern. Amen. amen. No women said amen on that. And I, I don't understand why. God, God gave, guys, God gave your wife the ability to discern things that you can't discern. And vice versa. We compliment one another. And so, amen, thank you. Yeah, very good. Yeah, praise God. No, seriously, though, it, it, it is one of the first things that if I'm feeling conflicted about something or if I'm like Brianna and I'll have a conversation. Like, hey, babe, what do you think about this? Okay, so now if you're not married, then, then my advice is to find someone else that you trust, that you know hears from God. If you're struggling to determine something, no man is an island. Don't be isolated. Don't retreat to your little hole and say, I got to figure this out by myself. No, find somebody in the church. Find somebody in your phone that you know knows how to hear from God and call and talk and let's, let's, let's work through this together because Amen. we're a body. And very often just hearing yourself say it out loud to someone, <laughs> you'll often be like, well, that's crazy. That wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't the Lord. Yeah. Uh, I wrote down, did you have more? No, that's okay. good. Keep going. What I, what I wrote down here is when you, when you don't know what to do next, do what you know to do. Yeah, that's good. What you said, get others involved. Right. Sometimes others see our lives more clearly than yeah. we do. Yeah. Uh, I would say, the, again, how big the decision is will indicate some of how strongly the Lord will lead you. Yeah. When I moved to North Carolina from Florida, that was a large decision. Yeah. There was a large amount of God speaking to me and others speaking to me about yes. that decision. The response was in proportion to yeah. what I was being asked. Totally. When I married Gracie, that was a 
big decision. Yeah. There was a lot of people in my life, you know, praying with me and praying for me. The Lord spoke to me not once, but on several different occasions about mm. the woman I was going to marry. Again, because that was a large decision. Yeah. So there was a large response that was coming to me, which mm. I was really thankful for. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I'll say, when you don't know what to do or where God's leading you, be faithful where you are. Amen. Do what you know to do and trust God with the next step. Amen, in Matthew 25, uh, Jesus says here in verse 21, this is the parable of the talents. Mm. The master was full of praise. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. Mm. So now I will give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Excellent. But uh, the last thing I'll say about this, when you can't hear the voice of God clearly speaking to you, be obedient to his word. Amen. God's word is God's will. We talked right. about that last week. And when, if you're not hearing a tangible like this knowing, be obedient to the word. Mm -hmm. You can always be faithful to pray. You yeah. can always be faithful to love others. Mm -hmm. You can always be faithful to renew your mind. Yeah. You can always be faithful to speak life and be a blessing and serve others and obey this word. And so often doing that, you'll know what to do next. Isn't that amazing? You go back. It, it's so funny because we say this all the time. God's word is the first place that he speaks to us. And, and it's often the most consistent place that he speaks to us in our lives as well. So when we do get into a situation like what you were just describing, uh, it's, it's our default should be to return to the primary and elementary disciplines of, of reading the word and praying and worshiping and being before God. And then, yeah, it's, it's, it's like magic. It's just, boom, all of a sudden things begin to become clear. Because our lives are so filled with so many different distracting voices. Like I said earlier, God, the devil doesn't care which bad decision you make. So he's going to give you distraction after distraction after distraction. So the, 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 the more I can get attuned to the word of God, the more I'm going to hear him speak. And it'll become more and more obvious. Yes, and for me, and then again, this is a personal thing. I go just as much by what the Lord is not saying to me mm -hmm. as I am by what he is saying to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just to give you an example, uh, uh, Gracie and I keep talking about selling our home and moving into something larger so that we have more space. And I'll be honest, the Lord hasn't spoke, spoken to me, spoken to me, spoken to me strongly about this move. Although Gracie would tell you she knows exactly where we're going to do go next. But I admit the Lord hasn't spoken to my heart strongly about the next step. So I go back to, well, what was the last thing he said to me about our home and about our living environment? I'm going to do that and I'm going to be faithful to do that until he shows me uh, the next step. Yeah. Very often I'm like, well, if the Lord's not saying something to me really specific, I'm going to keep doing what I know to do right. until he tells me what the next thing is. Right. That's good, man. Very good. Can you touch on what redeeming the time means and how that relates to the plan of God for your life? If I had to guess, Ephesians 5 is probably in your notes. Uh, one question. This is question number eight. Yes, Ephesians 5, 15 through 18. Yeah, look at that, 15 through 18. Amazing, amazing. Incredible. Check this out, this is so good. The, the answer, this is one thing I love about the word and why we cannot over, overstate and overstress the importance of the word of God in determining the will of God for our lives. Because the answer to this question is in the context of the verse that is asked, that is being asked about. Verse... Um, Verse 18, no, excuse me, let me back up. Verse 15 is where I want to begin. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time 
because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. That means you can. That means it's possible. And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. So there's some real clear things that the Bible instructs us in here. Uh, and I think that the question gets, at, gets answered by the context of this um, verse, particularly in verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. How do you redeem the time? Redeeming, the, redeeming is a Bible word that means to buy back or to exchange. It means to, it, how many of you went to Chuck E. Cheese or something like that as a kid and you played games and you got a bunch of tickets? And then at the end of the night, you're going to see how many millions of tickets that you were able to collect. And, and 273,000 tickets buys you that big bear that's hanging on the wall or the Nerf gun or something. So you take your tickets and you redeem your tickets for the thing that you want. So this is what the idea of redeeming means. So Paul is instructing us that we have the ability to actually redeem time. We have the ability to buy back the years that were wasted before we knew Jesus. Is that making sense to you this morning? We have the ability to, to buy back and make the most of time that in the natural was wasted. I talk to people and they say, Pastor, you have no idea. I spent, I spent 25 years doing things my own way. I spent 10 years going this direction. I wasted so much time. You did from a natural perspective, but from a spiritual perspective, if you'll learn to hear from God and do the things he's calling you to do, don't be, don't be fools, but be wise. And you'll, you have the ability to actually buy back time that otherwise would have been wasted in pursuing the will of God for your life. Isn't that amazing? Amen. He, and, and how does he say to do it? Walk circumspectly. What does that mean? means to see things from every angle. Walk circumspectly. How do I do that? You've got to be filled with the Spirit. You've got to be in the Word of God. You've got to do all the stuff Sean and I are talking about. Just get alone with the Lord. Make, make Him your pursuit. And the plan will become so easy to determine. Yeah, I don't have much to add from that. I would say, uh, for me personally, when I think of that phrase, redeeming the time, it's mm. being a light in a dark place. Mm. How can I be a light to others? Um, so often, people can't hear from God or won't hear from God or aren't listening to the voice of God, but you are. So you can be a light to others when, they, good, when they really need it. That's and great. I think we, we talked about this some last week from the scripture, uh, prioritizing the things of God. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we are a spirit. God created you as a spirit first. Yeah. And you have a soul, meaning you have a mind and emotions, and you live in a body. Yeah. And as natural people, we're used to listening to our body and we're used to listening to our mind. But God doesn't speak to us or deal with us in either one of those places. Mm. He is a spirit and he speaks to us in our spirit. Mm. And the more time we prioritize the learning and the maturity of our spirit, Mm. the easier it will become to hear the voice of God and to discern the things of God. That's so good. And so by redeeming the time, when we're focusing on spiritual activities, Mm. man, we can start to influence and be a light to those other people around us who are walking in the natural and in their mind. In the darkness and the futility of the world, yeah. So good. Um, Two more questions, and then then we'll see if there's any other questions remaining in the room. Are y'all doing okay? Is this being, is this helpful? We want this to be, more than anything, just really helpful for you. Um, Where are we going next? Question number nine. Number nine. What happens, this is a great one, what happens if we're believing, if what we're believing God for doesn't line up with the plan of God for our lives? 
I, I have. I was genuinely curious what you were going to say about this. Well, the the way that I answer that is, are you actually believing God for something that doesn't line up with His plan? Because the Bible says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And we said, you said this last week, the word of God is his will unfolded and, and explained for us in pages and in words. So the word of God is where we find out God's will. And the word of God is also the source of faith in my life. My question, I answer that question with another question because I learned that Jesus did that all the time. And, and so do politicians, but that's neither here nor there. Um, he, he, politicians do it as a way of avoiding the answer. Jesus does it as a way of pinning a person's heart down, right? When somebody says, how do, how, when somebody asks this question, what happens if what I'm believing for is not in the will of God? My answer is, are you actually believing God or do you think you just are? Have you found something that you want, but you have no basis of faith for it because it didn't come out of the word of God for you? In other words, uh, if you're married and you want somebody else's wife, can you believe God for that? No, you can't. That didn't come out of his word. You don't have any faith for that. We, 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 see, we use this word believe so casually, but to believe God means that you've gotten something out of his word and you now have a foundation for your belief. You now have a place to stand. If you don't have that place to stand, you're not actually believing God in the first place. Yeah, what I was going to say is very similar to that. Awesome. Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, yeah. and he will give you everything you need. That's right. So yes, if you are believing God to be a top shelf drug dealer, <laughs> that's probably not the plan <laughs> of God for your lives. Father, and so, we just thank you in Jesus' yes, name. Right now. This next right, drug that's deal, right. Lord, Bring the network of people I need. Cops, Lord, yeah. We bless you. Yeah. So... There's that. But if you are seeking first the kingdom of God, <laughs> yeah. guess what? Your believing and your asking are going to start to line up That's right. uh, with what he wants you to do and yes. what he wants you to go. Amen. Oh, it's nice to have fun in church. Amen. And by the way, this is fun for me. I know it's fun for Sean, too. We've been together it's for different. a long, it's good. long time. But uh, these, I think these kinds of days help and they shed a lot of light. Hopefully they're answering questions that you guys have, and this is maybe bringing some Tetris pieces into the into place so that you know how to move forward. And when we come to when we come to church, we tend to be our best spiritual selves. Yeah. But in reality, we are all dealing with these questions. That's right. We're all trying to discern the will of the Lord. We're all not going to get it right every single time. That's we right. all need each other. Amen. And we all need to hear from Him. That's Amen. Right. So That's right. Don't beat yourself up. Amen. God's Amen. not trying to beat yourself up beat you guys we're not trying to beat you guys we want to see you succeed we yeah. want you to be happy we yeah. want you to fulfill everything god is calling you to do and guess what we believe you can that's right and we believe you're in a place where you will clearly hear the voice of god amen, amen. all right last question sean number 11 this one's the heavy what would you oh, say gosh. to someone who's in the midst of painful loss or difficult situation and is struggling to understand god's plan in the midst of it all. What would you say to that person? The first thing I would say is that before you try to determine what God's plan is in your life, settle it in your heart once and for all that God is good. Settle it in your heart once and for all that God is good. The world is a tough place. 
The devil is not good. We know that from Scripture. Very clear. But settle before you try to discern what the next move is. Because that's often, that's often what is desired in a question like this. Hey, I just went through a really painful divorce. I just went through a really tough time in my life. I just lost a loved one. I just got fired from a job. I, whatever the case may be. I'm going through a really tough or difficult season of my life. What is the next step? How do I determine what does God want me to do from here? The first thing you got to know, and you got to settle it deep in your heart, that God is good. Terrible things happen to good people all the time. It's the, it's the nature of the fallen world that we live in. What we, the mistake that we make, especially in seasons of difficulty and of time, uh, of difficult times, is that we begin to view God through the lens of the situation that we're in. We, be, we begin to view God through the lens of the pain, through the lens of the discouragement, through the lens of whatever it is that we're going through. And we can't do that. Because the Bible says this in John chapter 4. This is for somebody this morning. This just comes up in my heart. I didn't prepare this. Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. Frankie, you can come on up. Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. And he says that the Father is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Let's go, let's go over there. I want to read this to you. While we're turning there, I'll just say you, you, that you uh, yeah. there's a book I really like called The Insanity of God. And it's about a missionary couple who uh, go to a very difficult place to minister. And they go through some really hard times. Mm. And they start to question, was this God's will for us? And they actually lose a child on the mission field. Wow. And they get a lot of flack from a lot of people. Like, why would you endanger your family like mm. that? And, what, and they were like, how could we not go where God has called us to do? God did not take our child. Wow. The enemy did. Yeah. But does that somehow nullify the plan and purpose of God? Mm. And I have a scripture before you go read ahead, yours. 2 Corinthians 4.17. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. Mm. For the things that we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Mm. I think this is so important because as we, as we process those kinds of things, like what Sean was just talking about, the pain, the loss, the discouragement, in pursuing the will of God for our lives, what we have to do is maintain an accurate picture of who God is through all of that. Jesus says to the woman at the well, the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The truth of who God is has to prevail. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, and it ties together so perfectly. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. When we are in pursuit of the will of God, there's some things we need to have clear in our minds. We need to know who God is and we need to know what is true about him. And we can never afford for the discouragement, the challenging times, the defeat, the issues that we face, we cannot afford for those things 
to change in our hearts and in our minds who God actually is. Amen. You have to process, you have to process the bad days through the reality that God is always good. Amen. Our, our spirituality does not nullify our reality. That's right. God has a very different perspective on our lives and what we are walking through. Yeah. That's why I read that scripture. Yes. So I would say this, if you find yourself in a difficult situation, are you there because you're in the plan of God and you're being attacked by the enemy? Yeah. Or are you in a difficult situation because you're outside of the plan of God mm. and things are not working for you? Yeah. But remember this, we have an enemy. Yeah. And also, we are not ultimately responsible for other people's decisions. Exactly. We are exactly. only responsible for our decisions. Exactly. When we get to heaven, God is going to ask you about what you did with his plan for your life. Yeah. And you're not going to be able to talk about your wife or your mother or this friend group or anyone else. Yeah, he's going right. to ask you. And he's not going to ask you about anyone else's plan and call. Right. He's going to ask you about your plan right. and his call for you. Amen. So good. So good. Um, as we close, I want to just make sure that we address all and any questions that you have in the room, especially those that are relevant to this topic. We're not going <laughs> to ask about the flood or polygamy or any of those kinds of things. You'd be surprised at the kind of questions people throw out. But no, seriously, do, do you have any other questions? Is there anybody that wants to ask something before? Oh, we do we have a question on the front row? All right, Miss Candy. She's got a question while y'all think. What you got? Yeah. Yeah. Excellent question. Well, I, the, I'll, t I'll tell you how I always define consecration. It comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. Um, I remember getting a hold of this when we were still in youth group uh, one night. I was getting ready to lead worship from the piano, and the Lord dropped this scripture in my heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 says, it, it, Paul's quoting a, a bit from the Old Testament. He says, actually, let me back up for just a second. Let me go to the previous verse. It says, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God himself has said. I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, or in other words, because of what he just said, he's about to say this. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you. You shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. To me, and not even just to me, what I believe the Bible is, is saying through the word consecration is that we make the decision in our lives to set ourselves apart as children of God. Meaning, my life doesn't get to look like the world. There's, there's some things, you know, my mom would say this to me before we would go out to Gallivant as teenagers and take the car and go do who knows what. And she would say, she would say this, hey, remember who you are. You're getting ready to go out in the world. Remember who you are. Remember. It's like Mufasa and the Lion King. Remember. Remember who you are. You see, to consecrate, a lot of people get these two words confused, consecration and sanctification. Consecration is what you do in your commitment 
to be used by God. Sanctification is what God does to respond in him using you. We, they consecrated the, the uh, sorry, I'll shut up in a second. They consecrated the items in the temple. There were plates and dishes and candles and all kinds of things in the temple way back in the Old Testament. King Solomon wasn't going in the temple eating chicken wings off of the plate that was set aside for the bread, the holy bread in the temple. It was consecrated, meaning it was only to be used for God. And the more we consecrate parts of our lives and say, Lord, this part of me is only going to be used for you. I'm not going to honor any other thing other than you with this part of my life. Boy, the Holy Spirit invades in those kind of moments. Amen. I was just going to add that when I think of the word consecration, I think of the word surrender. You know, mm. I think of Jesus in the garden uh, before he's going to go to the cross, and he is struggling with the plan and purposes of God. Yeah. In fact, he, he's in a difficult and painful situation. He says, if I don't have to do this, yeah. let me know. I would rather not do this. Telling me that obeying the plan of God is not always simple, easy, and straightforward. Mm. Even Jesus struggled with yeah. it. But he ultimately, he said, not my will, thy will be. He surrendered to the so plan good. of God in that moment. So and good. obviously, he made a good decision. <laughs> and we're all here because of it. Yeah, which yeah. tells me that when we obey the plan and purpose of God, it does not just affect us, it affects those around us. Amen. So good. So good. Does that answer your question? Mr. David? Uh, Yes. Sure. I'll say a couple things. I'll say, number one, yes, you can get out of balance with any teaching in the body of Christ. Absolutely. Um, secondly, and this is just how I understand that healing occurs, although we may not always be aware of the behind-the-scenes process, uh, healing comes from the Spirit of God into our spirit, and then it goes into our bodies. Now, that may happen so quickly, we not, may not be aware of how that's happening, but it is happening. Mm. And there's a lot of other things we could say about, you know, mm. things that block the healing power of God, things that will bring it about. Um, mm. My encouragement would be, are you in an atmosphere and an environment where God can speak to you, where you are listening to him? Um, the Lord very often, I think I said this last week, the Lord often speaks to me in this chair I have in my house. And it's because I tend to sit in that chair and read his word and worship, and I'm used to hearing the Spirit of God speak to me in that place. Mm. Now, he can speak to me other places, but I have an expectation for his voice yeah. in that chair. Uh, the other place the Lord often speaks to me is in my car when I'm by yeah. myself. Yeah. Because very often I'm driving to work, I've got worship music on, 
Um, I'm praying about my day. I get to the parking lot. I shut off my car and I intentionally sit there in my car for a Mm. few minutes, just me and my heart quiet before the Lord. And I have a notepad right there with a pen. Mm. And I'm like, Lord, if you want to speak to me, I'm listening right now. If there's something you need me to do today, someone you need me to speak to today, something I'm missing today, you know, show me right now. And I have to go to work and he knows I have to go to work, but I've got a few minutes very often he'll just say a name of a person or an email that I totally forgot about or a project that I've been ignoring or, or something along those lines. I'll make that note. I'll go on about my day. Yeah. So. I want to add one thing to that very quickly because you, you said this, David, that there, you, there's a question of like, am I just, do I just not have enough faith or is there something fundamentally wrong with me? Uh, can I set the record straight for anybody listening? If you are saved and bought by the blood of Jesus and you're a new creation, there, it's impossible for something to be fundamentally wrong with you. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, if anybody is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. That's fundamental. All things have become new. That's fundamental. So, could the Lord be, could the Lord be wanting to speak to you in another area of your life that's going to have impact on whether or not you receive healing? Absolutely. And you know what God is? So so abundantly, he's patient, man. He's absolutely patient. But I want to encourage you and anybody else listening, man, rid, rid your heart of the idea there's something fundamentally wrong with me. Because that, that is one of the enemy's tactics that he uses. And it's so interesting because it preys on our pride. It goes after our own self-image. And, it, and it's, it, it promotes in us this idea that, you know what? I am so uniquely broken that even God himself can't fix me and even God himself can't get to me. And I want to tell you, when you settle that in your heart, it's amazing how fast things like healing, peace, joy, protection, all these kinds of things fall into place. There's nothing wrong with you, man. You're a child of God. Amen. 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 Any other questions? One of the Smith children? No? Okay. (laughs) I have one more thing to add if there are no more questions and I'll, I'll be quiet. Uh, I'm a I'm a rock climber. I enjoy climbing, and I enjoy taking people rock climbing. I'm the opposite of a rock climber. I'm a, I'm a floor layer on her. But uh, when I take people climbing, very often I get the question if they enjoyed it afterwards. How can I get better at rock climbing? Mm-hmm. And I, I always say t- I have two answers. And uh, number one, I said, well, keep climbing. You know, and it's the same thing. If you're like, well, how do I hear the the spirit of God, and how is He speaking to me? Well, my number one question or suggestion to you is be in a place where God is speaking. Yeah. So if you're in a place where God is speaking, guess what? You're going to start to hear his voice. That's right. The second thing I say to people when people ask me this question, how do I get better at rock climbing? I say, start getting in shape. Mm-hmm. The number one thing you can do for your rock climbing is to start getting your physical body in shape. And mm-hmm. the more in shape you are, the easier and easier rock climbing will become. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing here. The more you get in spiritual shape, as more as you start to prioritize your spiritual fitness, mm. the easier and easier it will become to hear the voice of God in your life. Amen. Amen. This was fun. This was great. This was fun. We got to do this more often. <laughs> Amen. Y'all want us to do this more often? Amen. Hallelujah. Let's stand up to our feet. Much easier to go home that way. Father, we love you. Thanks again for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. Our church exists to see people from all walks of life know Jesus, connect and grow, discover their purpose, and make a difference in this world. 
If you would like to connect with us further, or if you need prayer or assistance, please visit us at hopeboon.com, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.